Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to Apostles Houston. Uh, my name is David Cumby. I'm the lead pastor, and we're just so grateful that you're worshiping with us online. You know, the past five weeks, uh, so much about our life has just shut down. And yet at the same time, um, we haven't just been passively waiting for things to kind of reopen. Um, just really intense things have been going on uh, all around us and, and even in us. And in the midst of this, God has been doing some really remarkable things. Um, as a clue to that, I, I noticed a study that came out this past month from a woman named Jeanette Sending Benson, who's an associate professor in the Department of Economics at the University of Copenhagen. And in her study, which is entitled In Crisis We Pray, Religiosity and the COVID-19 Pandemic, this is what she writes. She says, the rising interest in seeking information about prayer on Google skyrocketed during the month of March, 2020, when COVID-19 went global. The rise in prayer intensity supersedes what the world has seen for years and may likely continue to rise as the crisis worsens. In other words, people all over the world are asking the same thing that Jesus' first disciples ask teach us to pray. It's amazing. God is doing something all around the world in a powerful way. He's leading people into prayer. And so we want to ask that same question. Jesus, will you teach us to pray? And so I wanna invite you to open your Bible to Luke chapter 11. And we're gonna look together at Jesus teaching on prayer. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, pray like this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation, Jesus' response to their question was a simple, beautiful, life-changing prayer that serves as a guide for our own journey into prayer. And this is where Jesus begins. He says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. So the question is, why does Jesus start his prayer this way? Why does he say first, Father? You know, to call God Father would have been a bit of a shock to Jesus' first disciples. Uh, they had been taught that God was the father of their people of Israel, but it wasn't the way they were taught to pray. They would not have prayed to God as their father. But Jesus, he loved to call God his father. He would call God Abba, which is the Aramaic for, for basically the equivalent of daddy. It was how he prayed. And now Jesus was inviting them into this same intimate, familial way of thinking about God. A.W. Tozer in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, he says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so as we start to pray, Jesus wants us to ask, what comes into our minds when we think about God? Because Jesus knows that the first and biggest challenge for many of us in prayer is actually God, specifically what we think of God. So for example, to call God Father, as Jesus does here at the beginning of his prayer, may be difficult for many of us. 
You know, the idea of father can really come with a lot of baggage. Uh, Our earthly father may have been absent, may have been judgmental or harsh with us. It's possible even that our our earthly father was violent and abusive. Some of us uh, had a good father. I had a a good father, Um, but even still, he wasn't perfect. And so it's possible that a huge impediment to prayer is really wrong ideas that we have about our heavenly father that are based on negative experiences we had with our earthly father. And I think just recognizing that can be an important first step into deeper places of prayer and greater intimacy with our heavenly father. And just as an encouragement, I think it's also a really important and helpful first step towards experiencing the healing and the forgiveness and if possible, the reconciliation we need with our earthly father. Jesus invites us into this intimate and personal relationship with our heavenly father. Now that begs the question, how really is God our father? We might think, well, Jesus was the son of God. And so I understand how to Jesus, God was father, but how is God our father? In the Old Testament, God's people were, were taught that they had been adopted. Uh, in Psalm 2, for example, God says to David and to Israel, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. And the apostle Paul says in Romans 9, 4, to Israel belongs the adoption, the glory, the covenants, and the promises of God. God the father adopts Israel as his children. And that's always been God the father's heart. And he wants to adopt us too. In fact, this is what it says in Ephesians 1. It says, long before God laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. You see, God has adopted you and me through Jesus You know, on the Alpha course, we share this great story uh, about a soldier during the Civil War who, after the war was over, went to Washington, D.C., hoping to meet with the President of the United States, Abraham Lincoln. And when he got there, he wasn't allowed to go into the White House. And so he was sitting out front, just feeling dejected, when a little boy walked up to him and asked what was wrong. And so he shared his story and the little boy grabbed him by the hand and said, follow me. And so they made their way up the steps into the front door, past all the guards, past all the generals. They went into this office and they burst in and the little boy led him up to a man and said, I want you to meet my dad. And the soldier found himself standing right in front of Abraham Lincoln, the president of the United States. And the reason no one had stopped them was because this little boy was Tad the president's youngest son. You see, through Jesus, the son, we have access to God, the father. But even more than that, through our faith in Jesus, God actually becomes our father. We are adopted into his family. You know, our family, we have three young kids and I've loved having a little more time at home just to to be able to do things with them. But, you know, my favorite moments have been when I'm sitting on the couch and one of them comes and finds me and just kind of crawls up into my lap and just really just kind of wants to snuggle, just wants to, to be with me. And I love it because it's, it's this unsolicited intimate moment of silent affection between me and one of my children. And at the risk of sounding kind of overly sentimental, I think when Jesus begins his prayer with father, 
He wants us to try and understand what it really means that we are children of our heavenly father. And you know, the deeper we receive our identity as beloved children of our heavenly father, the greater our desire will be to spend time with him in prayer. In fact, you know, ultimately prayer isn't about saying lots of words or the right words. It's about coming into the father's presence, sometimes in moments of silent affection. I love what Romans eight says. It says, sometimes we don't even know how we ought to pray, but the spirit himself intercedes for us with wordless groans. So first Jesus says, pray to the father. But then he quickly adds this section, hallowed be your name. What does it mean to hallow God's name? Well, to hallow means to adore. It means to worship. When Jesus says, hallowed is your name, he wants us to recognize that God is holy. We're saying that he's so above us and beyond even our comprehension. Jesus is making sure we see God as God. And in a way, he's, he's kind of eliminating the possibility of us over-sentimentalizing God as our father. God is our father, and yet he deserves our reverence and our awe and our worship. You know, this idea of God's holiness, I think is an obstacle for many of us. It's hard sometimes for us to really see and grasp what it means that God is holy. And I think that's for a lot of reasons. I think some of us have really allowed our familiarity with God to kind of breed an apathy. We take God for granted. For some of us, I think it's because we actually ultimately have issues with authority. Pete Gregg um, says in his book, some of us have a notion of divine love that's devoid of divine sovereignty. I think what he means is that we can think of a God of love without having to respect or obey that God. And so God's presence rarely elicits a sense of awe from us. But in the Old Testament, there was this fear associated with God, with his presence. And it was a good fear. Hebrews 12 says that we should feel fear when we come into the presence of God, that there should be a sense of reverence, even dread, when we realize how close we've come to someone who's so powerful and so pure and so good and beautiful. When you read through the book of Acts, it's full of, of signs and wonders and, and miracles. And we're told that, that the people are, are full of a sense of awe. In fact, at different moments, the, the holy presence of God is so manifest. It literally shakes the ground and the church itself is overwhelmed by God's holy presence. You know, I've told you that uh, this past summer we went to the Grand Canyon and we went and we stood on the edge of the Grand Canyon. And it is so true. When you look out across the Grand Canyon, it is overwhelming. You, you just can't take it all in. Just, it's enormous. And it leaves you feeling with this sense of just, of wonder and of awe. When someone comes and they stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon, you know what they never think? They never look out and they never say, wow, I'm amazing. You know, why? Because no one would ever think that because when you encounter something that brings you to that place of awe and wonder, it takes you beyond yourself. And when we encounter a, a holy God, 
it takes us beyond ourselves. And we, and we move from being people who are kind of, uh, kind of bent down, hunched over navel gazers to people who, who lift our eyes and gaze in humility and wonder and awe at the almighty God. We're moved to worship. In the book of Common Prayer, which shapes our corporate worship, um, it defines worship, adoration, as the lifting of the heart and the mind to God, asking for nothing more than to enjoy his presence. For Jesus to pray was to come into the presence of a holy God and to worship him. You know, so often I have to admit that is not where I begin. Sometimes I treat prayer like a personal shopping list um, or a divine slot machine. Here's what I need. Here's what I want. That's where I start. And Jesus tells us that we, we have the freedom to come to our father and ask for what we need. But notice that's not where he begins in his prayer. That's because in a way, the answers that we seek in prayer are ultimately the, the byproduct. They're the fruit of actually seeking God first and coming into his holy presence. I think that's such an important word for us right now. You know, Pastor Terry Walling uh, said this. He said, right now during COVID-19, we may be asking God for all kinds of things in prayer and he may answer them, but that isn't the point of our prayer life. God wants us to realize that he is the prize not the answers we're seeking. The prize of this moment is not getting to the answers, but getting to know the one we are following even better. Because if we're chasing answers, we're prone to run to a quick fix. And listen to this. He says, God wants a different church on the other side of this. And the question is, how much do we want to know him and be a part of what he's doing? This pandemic has stripped away so much from us. And at the same time, it's created space for us to realize that what we really need is not all the answers. What we really need is more of God, more of his spirit, more of his presence. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Okay, so practically though, how do we actually do this? How do we come into the Father's holy presence and actually worship him? Let me give you just a few ways. First, I would say we choose to. The truth is a lot of times I don't feel intimacy with God. Uh, I'm not moved to actually adore him from my emotions. Um, it's, it's almost like I can feel in my spirit, right? That I need uh, to be kind of shaken and waken up. Like somehow on some deep level, I've fallen asleep. And that's why something like Psalm 103, I think is really helpful because David in this moment, I think he's experiencing something similar because this is what he said. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. David actually speaking to his own soul and calling it to wake up, to rouse itself to praise and to worship. Worship, in other words, adoration is actually an act of the will. I'm very much a person who's driven by what I feel. 
And so for me, this is, this is particularly difficult at times, in part because I think if, if I don't feel it, then it's not genuine. But what I found is in my own prayer life, uh, if I only ever come to God when I feel like it, it's not really much of a relationship. And I've learned um, that my feelings actually can follow my actions. That while at first it, it seems artificial, like I'm just going through the motions, that eventually what I'm doing and what I'm feeling begin to line up. And even more, what's important is they begin to line up with what's true, that I have a holy heavenly father. I think God loves it when we feel a sense of awe and wonder in his presence. But I think it means just as much and and maybe even more to him when we choose to worship him, even though we don't feel like worshiping him. And so how do we come into the Father's holy presence and worship him? First, we choose. I would say another thing we need to do is learn how to do it. We can learn how to come into his holy presence and worship him. One way we learn to do this is using different tools. And so we talked about one recently, the P-R-A-Y, pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. We can use that tool of pray to help us um, begin to learn how to do this, to rejoice and to worship God. But I would say the absolute best way that we can learn to pray is to pray the words of the Bible itself, to pray the scriptures. Um, They are full of prayers. So for example, the Psalms themselves are an amazing collection of prayers and poetry and songs that capture the wide range of human emotion. And they locate them within a view of reality that's under God's loving and sovereign control. You know, off and on for years, I've worked my way through the Psalms, praying them daily for long stretches. And I've learned how to pray from the Psalms. They have taught me how to be honest with God. They've taught me how to repent before God, to remember his goodness and his mercy. They've taught me to to listen and to be still before him. And they've stirred me to praise and to thanksgiving. And so we can learn to pray. And you can learn to pray just by praying a Psalm each day. So how do we come into the Father's holy presence and worship him? We choose to, we learn to, and then I would say we can create ways to. Um, I love what our Lectio 365 devotional said on Wednesday of this week. It said, think about how God has weirdly and wonderfully made you. What is your unique way of speaking to God? How can you authentically express your true self, your God created self to the Father in prayer? That's because in prayer, there's this amazing freedom where we can come before the God who created us and we can just talk with him. I keep talking about my kids, but I love all three of my kids. And it's not because they all are the same or they do things all the same. In fact, part of why I love them so much is their uniqueness and their creativity. And so God made you and he loves you and he loves it when you use your creativity to worship him. And so right now, you know, so many of the, of the trappings of our life have been either stripped away or all kind of jumbled around. And I think it's an incredible opportunity for us to kind of reconsider and redesign and enjoy new ways, explore new ways to, to pray and to worship. And so pray how you want to pray, I would say. 
Stand, sit, kneel, pray with your eyes open, pray with them closed, pray by singing, pray through poetry, pray as you garden, as you golf, as you cycle, as you run. Just be creative and find what helps you come into his presence and worship him. And then finally, I'd say um, we can practice. Uh, We can learn to come into the presence of God and worship him by practice. What I mean by that is, um, is something like liturgy. So liturgy is something I've learned to love as I've come into the Anglican tradition. And liturgy simply means something uh, that helps shape the way we pray and worship together. Uh, I grew up in a church tradition that didn't have liturgy. And when I discovered it, I was really surprised at how much I actually uh, loved this spiritual practice. And while I still really love the kind of free and spontaneous style of worship that we experience in certain parts of our service when we worship together, I've really come to appreciate how liturgy helps tell the story of the gospel each week. It shapes what we do each week as we worship. It engages all my senses in a powerful way. And it forms me in the way of Jesus through things like repetition and rhythm. Your liturgy also it invites us to pray and to worship with others and, and using the words of others uh, to, to help us learn how to pray, those who have prayed down through history. So we can come into his holy presence and we can begin to worship our heavenly father by choosing to do so, by learning to do so, by being creative in the ways that we do that and by taking up practices, things like liturgy. Jesus is inviting us into the holy presence of our heavenly father. It's an invitation to experience the deep and loving intimacy with the God who loves us and made us, an invitation to adore him and to worship him as a holy God. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, our simple prayer today is that you would teach us to pray. And that as we draw near to you and deeper into your presence, that you would move our hearts to praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.